Hi, this is Jamie Penwell from the Right State Guard. Hi, this is Natalie Cunningham. Hi, this is Maxwell from the Right State Guardian. Do you have a moment to answer a few questions? Right State Guardian, Alexis speaking. This is Roxanne Racer from the Right State Guardian. This is Shadi from the Guardian. How are you doing today? Hi, this is Claire from the Right State Guardian. From the newsroom of the Right State Guardian, this is Radio Report. The views and opinions of Radio Report do not reflect the views and opinions of WWSU Radio, Wright State University, nor their entities. Welcome back to Radio Report. Today is March 12th. This is Mackenzie Hefferlin, and I am here with... Um, Dylan Collison. I am the business manager for the Wright State Guardian. And Sarah Cavender. I'm the editor-in-chief for the Wright State Guardian. Today we're just going to talk a little bit about our top stories for the week, and we're especially going to talk about coronavirus because, as you can see, it is a top headline in a lot of the news, and it has been a big topic in our newsroom. So we're just going to discuss a little bit about what it's kind of been like in leadership positions of the newsroom. So Dylan, could you kind of explain how it's been? Yeah, so really to start off how everything's been going... Um, you know, we found out pretty early that something big was going to happen. Um, really, the day before is when we kind of had speculation that you know the state was really starting to put out some um, debt, like some really good um, requirements for public universities and public um, entities across the state. So, but um, that morning, we actually came across on a university website some um, information that. Uh, from the faculty senate president and really said like oh um, some of the faculty are starting to prepare for this so that really set off the alarm and you know starting at 11 a.m we worked you know non-stop towards the beginning of the day to really get as much information as possible yeah definitely and you know whenever it comes to things like this you don't realize the impact on not just moving all your classes online but what does that mean for the events the meetings the students that are on campus the workflow even of the entire institution as a whole. And so whenever we started looking at our articles that we had scheduled out for the rest of the week to work on, everything sort of fell apart since everything was canceled. Over 600 events, 800 events were on a list of being canceled all from Student Involvement and Leadership Office. And that was because of the precautions the state had asked for universities to take. So we've had to completely reanalyze how we do our articles and what we should be writing about, ensuring that students are informed of the campus community and what they need to know going forward. On Tuesday, that was whenever we were playing the waiting game of the confirmation the university was going to move to an online format of classes. And then on Wednesday was the complete restructure of assignments, photos, as well as workflow for our organization. Yeah, definitely. So I know f just personally for me, um, when I heard that universities like um, Ohio State were moving to all remote classes, I was personally surprised because this was not something that I exactly saw coming. Um, what did you guys think? I mean, we really should have started from the beginning, honestly. So if we look back, you know, starting in February, you know, the stuff we started hearing is, is Wuhan, China. Uh, what we saw the stuff coming out there of, and no one really thought like that could that could happen here, you know, that could happen in the United States, that could happen in Ohio, that could happen at Wright State University in our own backyards, you know. Um, from my point of view, I mean, I, I do obviously a lot less writing when it comes to this. So like from my point of view, I'm just kind of observing like all of the transitions that we're having to do with the university is trying to do. So I mean, we found out 
starting in March that or or a couple of days ago. I mean, really, um, that the state of Ohio was going to take a lot extra, a lot more extra precautions. And those precautions are still developing, as we know. I mean, as of 10, 15 minutes before we even record this podcast, group gatherings of over 100 are banned. Yeah. Um, the governor just made a new address today. So, I mean, honestly, every time there's a new case at 2 p.m., the governor and state health officials have been doing an update every single day. And every single day, new precautions, new regulations are happening over and over and over, really putting a lot of limitations on all state entities, which obviously would include I say university as a public state university. Um, I mean, honestly, it's just it's really it's bizarre to see all the, the crazy things that are happening. Yeah, definitely. So I think as a newsroom, The Guardian is just trying to stay on our toes and really try to get all of this information out to you as soon as we can, because we want to make sure that you guys are well educated. And so it's been kind of um, a hectic state in the newsroom, just trying to pull together um, all of this breaking news so that we have articles out there for you guys to read. But also on top of that, we're in the newsroom. One of the things we have to consider is how can we protect our staff from the spread of a virus that we don't know how to treat yet. And so we have members in our organization that are autoimmune compromised, which means they are at a risk. So cleaning obviously is important. Hand sanitizer is important. But we made the decision to work remotely as much as possible. And we have staff members now who are sick with either the flu or cold that we have to consider that too. It's one of those things where it goes beyond the workflow, but also individual needs and health concerns. So there are so many decisions that go into this. I remember last weekend, I sent out an email to a group of about 30 student journalists across the country that I had met throughout workshops and conferences and just asked, what are your processes? What are you doing? What do you expect to do? And I've had um, students that I know at universities in Texas and Alabama reach out to me asking what our newsroom is doing because their schools have not canceled their classes or moved to an online format yet. They've actually been told just use hand sanitizer. So we're looking at other schools and we're actually in the state of Ohio doing a lot more precautions than other areas, which is so fascinating and I really enjoy learning about it, but this is just a type of situation you would never expect to happen or want to happen. Um, from an outside standpoint, I mean, how has the um, changes in the newsroom really affected all of you personally, both of you personally? I mean, you learned on Wednesday. I mean, right, Wednesday, you had articles already written, and you found out, like, oh, I had to switch all of these. Yeah, so for me, I had a scheduled article Um, I was supposed to do a student spotlight and then Sarah contacted me and she was like, Hey, like this is closing. Like I need you to do a story on this. So I've kind of just kind of shifted my, um, perspective throughout the week where I had planned that I was going to write one article and then it suddenly turns into, Oh, well this article, um, really needs to be written. So it's kind of just, and I think this has happened for a majority of our reporters, especially with events being canceled, we're just kind of having to reevaluate and kind of adjust to this news. That way we can put out the articles on the website that need to be put out now. I mean, and we're kind of planning it like 
it's kind of strange because we're planning ahead breaking news because we know like the governor's gonna make a new announcement we know the university's gonna react scheduling breaking news before the breaking news even happens that's very bizarre about this whole thing is that we're seeing all these things unfold and honestly this week we have had like some of the most breaking news that we've had all year yeah definitely and i think it's given um all of our reporters that opportunity to really practice um and figure out the best way to do these breaking news articles that way we're getting quality information we're getting the sources that we need and we're getting that information out in a timely manner in the way that our students have that resource available to them. I guess we could just take a look. Um, Sarah, do you know all the articles that we've written so far um, about the coronavirus and kind of the reactions that we're seeing from the uh, university students, for example? Right now we have um, two articles on the site. One of them has been a continuously updated story. So we had one published back in February, just kind of an overview of the coronavirus in general. And then... Marissa Couch, our news editor, published another article earlier this week prior to the school announcing the move to online course education. And then when the announcement came in, we just continued to update it. On Tuesday evening, whenever SGA, Student Government Association for Wright State, held their meeting, Interim Provost Lehman came in and offered any type of answers to student concerns. So we actually had that article posted that night at a little after midnight. Um, our team has been working around the clock trying to make sure that information is readily available to students. Um, as we continue on through this week, we're obviously working on more stories. As more decisions are made, a lot of these decisions are being made as we're recording this now. We have leadership in meetings, we have committees and task force dedicated to the coronavirus that are on our campus, and they're ensuring that decisions are made in a quickly, timely manner that we're having to think about, such as the rec center, the bookstore, the food options on campus, the library, all these different facilities on our campus that we utilize that require so much human interaction. They're trying to find a way to move toward a online format of some sort, such as advising. So a lot of the stuff we're doing is gonna be developing the rest of this week and in the next week. So obviously what we see, I mean, every student is directly affected by immediately is classes. You know, we definitely see that, you know, though a good chunk of our classes can be online, a bunch of professors don't know how to use Pilot or don't know how to use online classes and are having to develop um, all these different things. Yeah, that's big, that's one of my, biggest concerns with moving everything online. One of my teachers, um, my ASL teacher, her pilot page is blank. There is nothing posted on pilot. And besides that, it's an ASL class. That's a very strictly visual class. We sit in that class for 45 minutes without talking. It's strictly visual. And although there are, she will probably figure out a way to um, make it able to be put on pilot, but I'm interested to see how she will move the course on pilot because of the type of class that it is. And it's the same way with people who have labs and recitations. I don't know how they're planning on putting a chemistry lab online. It's just impractical. So it'll be interesting to see how teachers plan to move these types of things in a remote fashion. 
And we also did see um, at the Student Government Association meeting um, where they raised concerns like, do we have enough um, computers and laptops for students who might not have one? Like, you can do a lot of stuff on your cell phone, but you can't do everything on pilot on your cell phone. So um, they talked about, like, we they think they have enough computers, um, and they have the computer clusters, the computer labs, but even then the provost was still concerned about them being too close together and the, 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 the machines and students being too close together. So they talked about, you know, moving computers, you know, apart. So they're at least, you know, five to six feet away from each other or putting trash bags over every computer in between. Um, they're really taking it seriously. I know the university libraries, uh, they said they have staff available um, with restricted hours, but they still prefer like, to give them a call or send them an email or use the Ask a Librarian chat because if you don't have to interact with someone, don't. It's basically what they're saying. Yeah, and I know that comes in to when we're talking about advising appointments. The 2020 fall schedule just came out and people are looking to schedule appointments with their academic advisors. I personally made an appointment and then I got an email saying, well, your appointment is going to be a phone appointment. Um, so I think that's another adjustment that we're going to have to make, um, all of our appointments that we want to make with our faculty, with our advisors, the university is doing everything possible that they can to see if they can move all of these meetings to not in person. Um, that's also happening with counseling wellness services. So you can meet in person, but they are given the option that one, they're waiving the fee if you miss an appointment. But they're also giving the option where, which they typically never do, um, where you can actually meet over the phone. I guess another uh, other student services such as you know campus life, student life, uh, student involvement, and leadership, um, student organizations put on a ton of meetings and events on even within 30 days. So some of the numbers we were seeing was upwards to 650, 700 events for just. Um, over 30 days so a significant amount of events were canceled over these next and that's not um, counting other offices and other divisions and units going in the colleges going and putting on different events Um, we have major events such as like the arts gala and many things so the questions still arise are are student scholarships at risk or yeah definitely two of the major events that i can think of at this moment relay for life was supposed to be tomorrow Mm -hmm. um that obviously is a huge fundraiser for the relay for life of wright state university and then also the arts gala which is a huge fundraiser for all of the um, students over in the creative arts center who actually receive a lot of scholarship money from that event and as of now it is canceled but we don't know if it's going to be rescheduled we don't know when it's going to be rescheduled it could be a possibility um, I, I guess another thing is, uh, let's talk about outside events, such as uh, events that are registered through student union event services. So, um, um, or even, even better, um, events that are at like the Nutter Center. Um, we have, you know, professional bull riding, um, that was, they postponed till August. There's stuff like, uh, uh, Jeff Dunham, like that's still up in the air. Like, we don't know if those events are still going to continue. Um, as the governor makes this announcement today, I mean, those events will have to be put on hold with no questions asked. So, Oh, yeah, and sports events, too. Um, the National Invitation Tournament for basketball, people are not allowed to attend that. I mean, as of now, it will still happen, but there's going to be no public able to attend. Well, the state of Ohio and the NCAA um, went and said that um, no spectators, period. Um, 
you know, a bunch of players. I know in the National Basketball Association, the NBA said um, a bunch of teams won't play. Um, they, they, I think, they, they, did they eventually cancel? Like cancel for? I know they have a player who has it. They tested positive. So I think they actually canceled. I'm not. I'm pretty sure. Um, but they, they they canceled because um, some players weren't. They want to play. Period. They, they want, one because of safety reasons, but also because um, they don't want to play without spectators. Well, aside from all the coronavirus articles, is there anything else that was on our site that I mean we can we, touch on? Yeah. So I mean, we had um, plenty of features articles as usual. I mean, always the fun stuff. But another another thing we had were um, during spring break. Uh, we had some that was the Nashville tornadoes. So we actually had some students down in Nashville at the time, and many others in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, and that was really interesting in itself because you you're on social media and you see your classmates, your peers, your friends, and you see them on vacation until you hear the news that a tornado touches down in the very place that they're vacationing. And we're not even a year out from the Memorial Day tornadoes where a lot of our students survived that. And so it was really surreal to interview students again about a tornado experience where they were driving trying to get to where their hotel or their airbnb was they were in the hotel where the tornado touched down down the street so it was just very surreal and then to receive pictures from them it was just so scary the pictures were horrifying to see i mean as for someone who witnessed the memorial day tornadoes just seeing those pictures it scared me i mean like knowing that i had people down there that I knew and that I was close with that were minutes away of losing their lives. Yeah, definitely. And while I was reading that article that we have up on our website, I could just, while I was reading it, I just felt that fear that they felt because I had just, I had no idea that people were actually in Nashville during that tornado. And when I, when I found out that there were people there that went to Wright State University, it just all became real. And I just couldn't imagine being in that situation myself you know, knowing that you could have been killed by a tornado. And I guess to circle back, I mean, that's another reason why these realizations about the coronavirus are so terrifying because it's home. It's real. You know, it's not another country, other side of the globe. It's it's real. Or our late campus students even. It's, it's in their backyard in Mercer County. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, we have two cases now, or that are up near that area. So it's or two confirmed cases that are near that area. So that's that's just it's it's crazy to know that these things are are serious. So yeah. So touching back on a few other articles that we wrote this week that maybe didn't have to deal with the coronavirus. Uh, Dylan, I know that you wrote sort of a breaking news article um, about white supremacy posters that were posted around campus yeah so quote-unquote um, white supremacy posters um we definitely had that was a, something very interesting um something i did not expect to write um during my breaking news hours so um i actually got we got a notification from a couple students that there were some posters that you know that made them feel uncomfortable so we were notified about those and I mean, immediately we had to um, ensure that the university was notified. So, you know, proper, uh, proper protocol, see if they were approved, um, stuff like that. Um, and, of, of course, we went and saw that the um, postings were not approved. So um, since they weren't approved, the university, uh, you know, reiterated that 
they weren't approved, so they can't stay up. So um, all outside postings um, from non-university entities must be approved through the Office of Student Involvement and Leadership in the Division of Student Affairs. So um, we realized since those weren't approved that the students did the right thing to take them down. Um, they let us know, and we did some research on the group. Uh, we did some research on what they like, uh, they trying to do at college um, universities. So this organization, um, the American Identity Movement, was actually based off of another defunct organization. So they came, they come in, and the um, organization is basically, um, according to um, sources that are out in the article, they're really just um, it's just another name and a new logo for the current organization with new leadership. So. It was definitely interesting, definitely kind of scary is not the right word, but it definitely was worrisome to many students. So it was definitely interesting to see the different things that people were saying and to see the different viewpoints and how they kind of conflicted um, and how some students felt uneasy. So um, the university went to say, like, your feelings are valid, but um, rights at university must allow um, some of these organizations to make postings, um, but they must be approved. So it's kind of stuff like we see with marches and demonstrations on campus, you know, some, some controversial, some not as controversial. Those must be approved by the Division of Student Affairs. So um, the Office of Equity and Inclusion went and sent an email to all students to make you aware. Um, and of course, you can always check that out at wshootguarding.com. Yeah, so as we go forward with um, new coronavirus information or however, um, as we go forward with this new coronavirus information, how do we have any plans and this question is sort of directed towards Sarah but um, as an ex organization how do you plan to kind of um, attack this head-on and make sure that we are prepared for the coverage of this well a lot of this is going to be going based off student concerns you know I mean if you and I talk about something then other students are probably talking about something because we are students um, so one of the things that is a concern right now is graduation uh, will we be graduating in the Nutter Center or will we just be receiving our certificates in the mail? Will we have April craze? There are all sorts of things that are part of our Raider traditions that we have during the spring semester, like Arts Gala and Relay for Life and all those other things that we will not have as of right now. So what about everything going forward into April and May? And that's a big question for many students, and that's something that leadership is going to have to figure out over time. But in the newsroom, we are going to be going based off of what is the concern for students right now? What is the concern for students in dorms? What about tuition? What about classes? We need to make sure that our students are informed to the best of our abilities. And we ask the tough questions. You know, are we safe? So. Well, I, I'm wondering um, from a business standpoint, um, fiscally, um, financial situations that when it puts students in, um, let's say that they go out today and say that, you know, staff, you can stay home and work from home. Well, are students staff going to do the same thing? Are they still going to receive their checks? Um, let's say they tell students you need to go home um, to those who have homes outside Bright State University. Um, they tell you you can't live on campus. Well, some of these students are don't have a home besides our right state university um if they say we have to go home are they going to reimburse our housing so they're going to reimburse tuition that they end classes early so these are all big questions of um what, for me like can the can the university afford that you know can students afford this 
So it's a lot of different, like, these are other difficult questions is, is sending everyone home worth it? You know, like is, like are these preparation me uh, method methods that important? We have plenty of questions, trust me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, as the administration makes um, some of these decisions and kind of meets to um, decide how they are going to move forward, we as an organization are going to keep you up to date and we're going to try to put out that information for you so you are able to have access and um, keep updated on the new information that is coming out for the coronavirus. Thank you again for tuning into Raider Report and tune in next week as we come back to you with more information.